Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Well, good morning, church. We're so glad to have each and every one of you here at our Lakeland campus. And I know all of you would love to give it up uh, for everyone across town at our Highland Colony campus. Hey, church, we love you so much. Uh, and at the end of this month, we'll have a third campus we'll be saying hello to every week, and that's at our Fondren campus. Uh, so we're super excited about that. Uh, if you're, you're new to the church or, or maybe you've come back after an absence, uh, we're planning a church right there in Dooling Hall in Fondren, February 27th. And so if you'd like to be a seed member for that, let somebody know. Go to the welcome desk, tell them you'd like to be a seed member, and we'll uh, get you serving over there. But we're super excited to have uh, that campus open up. Uh, And we also want to say hello to everyone on our online campus. That's our biggest campus. And we're just so excited to see each and every one of you. And uh, well, I say seeing each and every one of you, you see us. We'd love to see you. And when you're ready to come back to church, we'd love to have you back at church. Uh, We need you. Uh, But we're super excited that you're there. And uh, I I just am honored every time I see people who connect with us from all over the world. and, And we're thrilled to have you. And then, of course, everyone watching by Fox, we're glad to have you tune in. Um, God's doing amazing things through even that avenue and just hearing so many reports in the community of people who are being blessed by that. So we're excited to have you tune in today as well. Uh, Today for our church is actually a special day because we're launching a new series, but also we're launching life groups. Uh, Yes, I like some people who are excited about life groups. Uh, Now, here's why I'm excited about it as a pastor. Uh, I've been pastoring almost for 20 years now. October will be 20 years uh, that I have been pastoring this church. Uh, For those of you who wonder, I'm 38. I've been preaching since 18 and pastoring since 19. Uh, So, uh, you know, it's it's been a ride. Uh, But one of the things that I have seen through pastoring uh, for almost two, two decades is this. Uh, is that I can't change your life and the Lord can't change your life and the Holy Spirit can't change your life if we can't change your relationships. Uh, and that's just the truth. You, you, can, you can run, dance, shout all you want to in church, take some good notes, and you keep hanging out with the same people uh, who aren't serving God. Uh, they'll pull you down before you pull them up. Everyone should be your ministry. Not everyone should be your friends. Uh, and that's just the truth. Uh, no one should ever be cut off from the love of God from you. But few people have the right to speak into your life. Uh, and life groups is what we do to make a big group, a big church feel small. And so we have campuses all over, which is great. Uh, and we pray you find people at your campus. Uh, but we even know in this, it's just real easy to come in, come out, and never really meet anybody or connect with anyone. And you need friends. And so life groups is a way that we introduce you to community, get you in a safe uh, community. And we would love to have you. Uh, sign up for that. And so there's information when you walked in, you got the cards that kind of, you know, have the thing you can scan and all the, all the technology just is amazing. Or you can go on um, the life.cc or website and sign up for a group there. Uh, but we would love to have you get in a life group. 
Uh, now, also, we're starting a new series entitled, Me and My Big Mouth, <laughs> and I'm going to invite you to open up your Bibles with me as we begin this series to the book of Matthew. Uh, we're going to look at Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 36, and while you're turning, I'll just ask you this, has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? <laughs> there were groans. I can't hear you at Island Colony, but here at Lakeland, they were like, yes. Uh, so yes, all of our mouths from time to time have probably created problems for us. Um, I have this habit of getting people's names wrong. Uh, and I, I think it's because, you know, I pastor, you know, a, a, a congregation of size uh, in some ways. And so I know a lot of people. And so I miss people's names a lot. Uh, and me and my wife had this one particular moment where we were believing God for something and God just came through and this person, uh, without us telling anybody what we were believing for, uh, this person came and just gave us exactly what we were believing for. They said they were praying and they're like, this came up on our heart to give this to you and it was exactly what we were believing God for. Uh, and so it was just this amazing testimony. So I got excited. Like when you see God move, you get excited. And so I'm excited. I'm like, Debbie! You have no idea, but you have heard from God. And I look over at my wife and I see all the blood rushing out of her face. And immediately I know this lady's name is not Debbie. Uh, that she had heard from God, but I clearly had not. And, uh, and in that moment, I'm like, oh, what do I do? Like, what do you do in that moment? So I just walked out of the room, uh, you know, and it made an awkward situation even more awkward. Uh, so all of us have these moments where... Um, um, you know, our mouths have gotten us in trouble. And I think each one of us, if you've experienced Christianity for any length of time or read your Bible like at all, have seen all kinds of warnings about your mouth, uh, that it is powerful, uh, that your mouth and words are not just things that we should use without warning, uh, that we should use without care. And through studying this <laughs> this week and like going through scripture and looking at scripture after scripture, Old and New Testament, and seeing this doctrine taught literally from cover to cover of all of our Bibles, I really felt like Isaiah. Uh, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah is caught up to heaven. Like, I can't imagine this moment. He sees this amazing scenery of God the Father on the throne and angels circling around and all of these kinds of things. He's so mindful of God's presence, which is honestly what I want at all of our campuses, is that when you come in to worship, like, you don't just come in, but it enables God's presence to come in, that he inhabits the praises of his people, uh, and that he becomes very real to you. Uh, and in this moment, Isaiah has God become so real to him. And you know what was the first thing that came across his mind that he became mindful of? His mouth. And he tells the Lord, uh, I have unclean lips. And then he says, and I dwell among a people with unclean lips. That the first thing he was mindful of in God's presence was his mouth. And God did not come and say, well, it's fine. No, no, no big deal. Like, you're good, I'm good, we're fine. Uh, an angel comes with a hot coal and touches his mouth and cleanses it. And then God says, who will go for me? And Isaiah says, here am I, Lord, send me. Uh, that before God could use him, 
Or you could put it this way. Before God could take Isaiah where he wanted to take him, he had to touch his mouth first. And until he touched his mouth, he could not touch his life. So he has a moment where Isaiah gets still, gets mindful of his mouth, allows God to touch it, and then Isaiah sees God change his life. And what I pray is, is that one moment for Isaiah is what this series is for us. That we just sit on this for at least a month and we become so mindful that we need God to touch our mouths. <laughs> that, that we need a cleansing there. Uh, that we need to come back and realize how powerful our mouth is. Uh, and we make a decision to see God touch our mouth so that we can see God change our lives. I, I say this as a pastor. Yes, we can clap for that. Yes, yes. Uh, so I say this a lot, uh, but it's the truth. When the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, you remember what Jesus said um, in the book of Acts? He said, don't do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. We need the, the, the Holy Spirit's empowerment. It's so funny. In so many churches, we tell people to be like Jesus without giving people the, the power that Jesus had to be Jesus. Uh, that even Jesus did not go into ministry until the Holy Spirit came upon him. And we see a lot of churches just be so hesitant to talk about the Holy Spirit and at the same time correct people for not living like Jesus. And Jesus said, don't even try to do this without the Holy Spirit's empowerment. But one of the things that I always try to bring people's attention to is that when the Holy Spirit came, he touched the minds and the mouths. And if you will not allow the Holy Spirit to renew your mind and God's scripture to renew your mind, and you will not allow God's spirit and God's word to renew your mouth, you will never see God move in your life the way God wants to move in your life. Uh, and so we need a moment where we say, you know, Holy Spirit, I need you to touch my mouth in this series. I want to put a watch over my mouth that I do not sin against you. I want to speak life and not death, blessing and not cursing. I'm done complaining. I'm done griping. I'm going to start praising. I'm going to start worshiping. Uh, because we come to a place where we understand the power of our Miles. Now watch what Jesus says in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 12 and verse number 36. Uh, if you're a Christian here today, this should be very interesting to you. Um, in fact, this should not just be very interesting to you. Let me change my adjective. This should be very alarming. Well, maybe a better word would be awakening uh, to you. Watch what Jesus says in the book of Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. This is your Lord, if you're a Christian, talking. He says, but I tell you, he's talking to me, that every careless word that people speak, they will give an accounting for that word in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. Now, in the New Testament, all throughout it, it teaches us that in the next life, when this life is over, whether it's through the rapture or you die and you go to heaven, that no matter who you are, even Christians, will have a day 
uh, called the day of judgment, where you stand before God. And Paul wrote, on this day, you will give an account for the deeds done in the body. Uh, And you have this moment, and this is where God wipes every tear away from your eyes, um, and all these types of things, because you have this moment before you enter into glory. Uh, But it's a a day of judgment. Um, And God sits on the the judgment seat of, of God. And Jesus says, I'll tell you something else that happens on that day is when you stand before, before God, you not only give an account for the deeds done in the body, or the way Paul words it in the King James, the deeds done in the flesh. He said, it's not just the deeds, it's the words spoken from your mouth. You will give an account for every, King James says, idol, uh, the New American Standard Bible, which is a great translation, um, says every careless word, that you will stand with, think about this, this is in your future. Uh, On the other side of this world, this is in your future. You're standing before God and giving an account for every careless word about your nation, every careless word about your children, every careless word about your marriage, every careless word about your city, every careless word about your state, every careless word about your church, Every careless word about opportunities, about your job. Giving an account for every careless word. And he says, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Now, part of me would love to water that down, uh, because, you know, I think a lot of times that brings introspection. And, of course, I'm Pastor Joel, and I want to be your friend. Uh, And I, I want you to like me, and like church, and all those types of things. But I may just let it linger and be that serious. Uh, to potentially wake us up uh, to our Lord saying, watch your mouth. Watch your words. Do not be careless with this. Uh, That your mouth has power in it. Your mouth can break somebody's heart. Uh, Your mouth can can put a, a downcast nature on your children. Uh, your mouth can spoil opportunities. For the children of Israel, the, the book of Hebrews tells us, pay attention to them because the same mistakes that they make that keep, kept them out of their promised land, you will be tempted to make the same mistakes that will keep you out of yours. And one of the things you see them constantly do is just complain. Just complain. And finally, God had a moment where he came down. <laughs> You can imagine this moment. God comes down the mountain, and when God comes down the mountain, he's like, as you have spoken in my ears, so shall I do unto you, and your carcasses will fall in this wilderness. Their mouth kept them out of their promised land. I wonder what my mouth has kept me out of. Hebrews says, pay attention to them. You would see them complain and the ground open up and swallow a section. (laughs) You would have moments uh, where, where literally they walk into a promised land and they don't fight the battle, they lift up their voice and when they shout, walls come tumbling down. That the reason why Moses couldn't get into the promised land is because he kept trying to strike the rock instead of speaking to the rock. Um, And what I want is just an awakening 
that the most powerful thing in your life is about an inch and a few centimeters, give or take, under your nose, and it is your mouth. Why are words, if you're taking notes, you can put this down in notes, why are words so uh, taken so seriously in heaven? I think God would come to us and say, because they matter so much on the earth. Your words matter here. Go over to the book of Proverbs. We'll look at this. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse number three. Uh, they'll put it on the screens, but I'd love for you to see this in your Bible if you're taking notes. Proverbs 13 and verse number three, and then we'll look at Proverbs 18. And Proverbs 13 and verse number three, it says this, the one who guards his mouth preserves his life. The, the one who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Uh, the Amplified Bible of this says this, the one who guards his mouth thinking before he speaks protects his life. The one who opens his lips wide and chatters, <laughs> ah, the Amplified's great, and chatters without thinking comes to ruin. Let's keep that up there for a minute. Uh, do you see what Scripture's trying to tell us? If I chatter without thinking about my marriage, chances are I'll ruin it. I'll spoil it. If I chatter without thinking about my children, I have the potential to ruin it. You ever chattered without thinking about your job? Oh, come on, somebody. Uh, you ever chattered without thinking about what's going on at work? You ever chattered without thinking about your nation? Now, here's what's interesting. We, we would look at something, and, and if we're honest about it, we would say, how we talk about a city is typically how that city is. How we talk about a nation is typically how that nation is. How we talk about a child is typically how that child is. Am I right? Uh, typically, I think most of us would say, our experience and our words match. Uh, that our words match our health. Our words uh, match that little niggle in our elbow. <laughs> that, that, that word ma our words match what we're experiencing in our bodies. That uh, we would say that most of us, I think if we were being honest, would say, um, my words about my job match what I'm experiencing about my job. My words about my relationships match what I'm experiencing in my relationships or lack thereof. Uh, and we would say, well, Pastor Joel, that's because I use my words to describe. Like I use my words to describe what I, my, what I see with my kids. And I see my kids acting A, B, and C. And so like I just get with my, my husband or I get with my wife or I get with a friend or I get with a neighbor and I just talk about it. Uh, and I, I just chatter without thinking about like what I'm seeing. Like they're just so irresponsible. And no matter what I do, I just can't get them to pay attention at school. And the teachers talk to them about it. And I've talked to them about it. And other people have talked to them about it. But it's just getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And, um, you know, well, Pastor, I'm just describing what I'm seeing with my children. Uh, or we go to work and we're frustrated and we get annoyed because like when you're walking in a wilderness, there are things that are imperfect and you're, you're there and it's like, I just can't believe like what's happening here. And like the children of Israel, it's like, you know what? I'd like to go back to my old job. At my old job, at least they knew how to respect people. At my old job, at least I was listened to and paid attention to. I tell you what, you could work all day here and not get noticed by someone. Uh, it's just amazing how everybody overlooks just how hard I'm working and just go on and 
going on and would say, Pastor Joel, like, I'm just describing what's going on at work. Or you get somebody and they start talking about marriage and, you know, it's just, he just, he's lost all care for me. I tell you what, it just seems like I could just dance and he wouldn't even pay attention to it. Like, I'm just, I, I'm there and it's like I'm invisible. I walk past him and all he can say is make me a sandwich. Like, I don't even under. <laughs> I don't even understand what's going on here. Uh, you know, and just go on and on and on. It's like, well, Pastor Joe, I'm just telling you what's going on in my marriage. And we would say, well, that's because we use words to describe what we're seeing. And God said, ah, that may be some truth. But he said, your words are not just describing what you are seeing. Your words are creating it. Uh, You are made in the image and the likeness of your heavenly father. You're made like God. And the way he made you, in the Hebrew it said that God made man a speaking spirit. And in the book of Genesis, when you see God uh, creating, he is facing chaos and darkness. And some of you may be there. Maybe some of you watching on Fox uh, right now, you are living in a world of chaos. It's like the kids are chaotic, life's chaotic, the job's chaotic. God was staring at, go back to Genesis 1-1, you'll see what I'm talking about. Chaos, darkness, a mess. No borders, no boundaries, no safety, no security. And you know what you don't see God do it? He doesn't like pull aside Gabriel and say, can you believe this darkness? I've never seen anything in this big of a mess my whole life. I've been around centuries and nothing's ever been this bad. It's amazing how bad it is. Can you believe how dark it is? You know what this thing needs? It needs some boundaries. It needs some borders. No, he didn't come and curse the darkness or even describe it. He came and said, let there be light. And there was light. He didn't chatter about the darkness without thinking. Uh, He purposefully used his words to create what he wanted to see. The book of James says this. He said, did you know uh, that your mouth is like a boat? And he said, you can have a great ship that's driven by fierce winds. And once again, some of you may be in a situation right now where there's a storm in your life and you feel driven. But he said, even while the ship is being driven by fierce winds, it's not controlled by them. He said, you know what controls that ship? He said, it's a little member. (laughs) He said, it's a little member, the rudder on that ship, that the helmsman or the sailor, we would say, controls. And he said, that helmsman, that sailor, will point that rudder in the direction it wants to go. And even though it's being driven by these fierce winds, it's not controlled by that. It's controlled by the little member. And he said, just as that rudder is a little member on the boat that's controlling the whole boat, your mouth is a little member on your body, but it is controlling the whole body. If you want your life to go in a different direction, you gotta get your mouth going in a different direction. You want your marriage going in a different direction, you gotta get your mouth going in a different direction. You want your kids going in a different direction, you gotta get your mouth going in a different direction. You want your disciplines, I'm just so undisciplined. I look at it and gain weight. You wanna get your discipline. 
discipline going in another direction. You got to get your mouth going in another direction first. He said, we put a bit in a horse's mouth so that we may control the horse. And he said, if God can get a bit in your mouth, he can control the direction of your whole life because words create worlds. I was listening to this, this lady, uh, she was talking, she was voted British, uh, Br- Britain's best therapist. Uh, and I listen to podcasts, I enjoy wisdom, and the reason why is the Bible tells you to. It says get wisdom, get understanding. It says it cries out in the streets, and never more so than today, where you got podcasts and YouTube channels and uh, you know libraries and internet and all these things just crying out to be researched and crying out to be studied. Um, and you, you can take Harvard classes, just, just pulling them up on iTunes. It's amazing. Wisdom is crying out. But most people don't want wisdom. They want entertainment. Um, amen. <laughs> we, we stopped preaching and went to meddling. Um, and so out of that, um, um, I was listening to this lady. She was vo- voted Britain's best therapist. And they asked her, they said, how are you so good at helping people change? And she said, I have seen in my own life that if I can change people's words, I can change people's worlds. I don't know if she was a believer or a Christian or not. But as soon as she said that, I started paying attention. She said, even with quarantine, she said, I found a lot of my my patients and people were resulting to alcohol and um, their marriages were getting worse. And she said, the stress of all that kind of situation. I just kept hearing them say, I just feel stuck. I'm stuck inside. And she said, I I told him, why don't you change that and say, I'm safe inside. And she said that one little word brought peace. She said, I'll work with people who are like, you know, claustrophobic and afraid to like go in the scanners and all those types of things. Uh, And she said, if I could get them to change their words about like, no, I fall asleep every night kind of staying still. It's just like a a good nap. I'm about to experience a good nap. She said, I would be able to, to work with them. And she said this, she said, the reason why is your brain produces thoughts and thoughts produce things in your body. She said, and you know, you've probably felt this before, that in your own body, you felt stress. You're, at, you're not even in the stressful situation, but you're at work feeling it. She said, if we hooked up your blood pressure, we could see that thought is producing a, a physical reaction in your body, that a thought is a thing. And she said, you know where we get our thoughts? By what we say. She said, your brain is constantly listening to your mouth. She said, I've had patients come in and they'll say things like this. My job is killing me. My job is killing me. And she said, um, you know, she's worked with them. And she said, when your brain hears you say, my job is killing me, it goes into a protective state to keep you from that job. So she said, you will begin to develop issues. And she said, I had one patient that had uh, dramatic stomach ulcers. Uh, And all the while she was talking about her job that's killing her. And they finally made the connection in this practice that her body was trying to keep her from going to that job. And if she could fix her mouth about that job or quit it and find one that she could talk good about, uh, that she saw immediately that physical issue begin to change. And she, she didn't link it up to a spiritual reason. She linked it up to your brain hears you talking and whatever it says, it goes to produce in your world. 
She said, instead of saying things like this, it just drives me crazy. She said, say things like this. This is just helping me get more patient. She said, if I can change your adjectives, I can change your life. Uh, Instead of saying, you know what, I tell you what, I'm just getting so frustrated with these kids. Say something like, these kids are making me a better person. That's what they're doing right now. They're making me a better mom. Uh, And then she said, if I could just get people. Now listen, this was Britain's best therapist. She, you know, brother or not, maybe you're here, you're not a Christian. Fox watching, not a Christian. Britain's best therapist said that if I can just get them to change the way they talk about something, Their brain is listening to their words, and their brain is producing that in their bodies. Isn't that interesting? Well, why is that? Uh, Because the Bible teaches us there is power in your mouth. Your words are not just describing your marriage, it's creating it. Your words are not just describing your children's behavior, it's creating it. God built you in his image and his likeness. You are speaking spirit. When God opens up his mouth and John saw him in the book of Revelations, he said, there's a sword in there. There's a weapon in his mouth. You're made in his image and his likeness. You ever been cut by somebody's words? You know they have power. Well, how much power? Go to the book of Proverbs. You're there already. Go to chapter 18. Chapter 18. This is one of our golden texts for this. Proverbs 18 and verse number 21. How much power? It says this in Proverbs 18 and 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those that love it will eat its fruit. Now, how how many of you met somebody that ever exaggerated? You ever met anyone who exaggerated? Uh, You you ever uh, known someone who just used a lot of words to make something bigger? Um, how many of you, you think scripture has never exaggerated? And notice what it says here. Death and life are in the power of your mouth. Your mouth can flat out kill an opportunity or make one come to life. It can kill a friendship or it can make one come to life. It can kill a work ethic on a child, or it can spark it to life. You know, this has been big in my heart with children, uh, because I've got three. I've got two of them are teenagers, and I've got an eight-year-old. And my wife came to me last night. She's like, I just want another child. I'm like, no, in Jesus' name. (laughs) No, I love parenting, uh, but I've got a retirement plan. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, So, but, but out of this... Uh, um, you know, I've noticed with children, so oftentimes we're telling our children what to do. Well, you need to do this. For the 19th time today, brush your teeth. Uh, you know, you need to do this. And oftentimes, in telling them what to do, it's coming from a critical place that is not producing life. It's producing frustration. And you know what I've noticed about God? He will tell us some things to do. But more than that, he tells you who you are in him. Let me tell you who you are. Because here's what I've seen through pastoring, uh, through employment, and through child training. um, That when someone knows who they are, they know what to do. And coming to those, that's amen. Coming to those children and be like, you know what? You're so disciplined. Your heart's so sensitive to God. 
There's no way you could go to that place uh, and do, do something that would just be dumb. Your heart's too sensitive. I was talking to a lady the other day. She grew up with a father like that, constantly telling him who she was. And she said, it would shock me. He would say, yeah, you can go there. And, and she's like, I, he shouldn't let me go there. Like, I know what I'm about to get into. Uh, he shouldn't let me go there. And he would pull her aside before she would leave. And this is powerful. He'd pull her aside before she'd leave. And he'd say, come here. And she'd come up to him. He said, before you go, I want you to know this. You're sensitive to the spirit of God. I want you to know who you are. You're you're God's daughter. And the Holy Spirit won't let you do anything that would hurt you or wound you. And wherever you go, he's going to guide you. He's going to lead you. He's going to protect you. And sometimes he'll even tell you where not to go. But you are spirit-led because you are a child of God. And she said, I'd get in that car to go to that party that I know I shouldn't get to. And something would just come up in me and be like, I got to turn around. She said, I'd pull up in. She said, I'm a t- she's a grown lady now, but she was a teenager. She'd pull back up in the house and she'd look at her dad and say, I can't stand it when you do that to me. I just don't understand why. And she'd be mad at him uh, because uh, she knew she couldn't do it. And he didn't have to tell her not to do it. He just told her who she was. Oh, come on, somebody. Life and death. Or in the power of the tongues. You know God does that. He says, come here, come here, come here, Jacob. You're not a deceiver. I don't care what they've called you. I don't care what they labeled you. You're not a deceiver. You're, from here on out, Jacob, you will be Israel. For a prince with God and a prince with man, I have made you. Come here, Abram. I know you've been struggling with this. You're almost 100 years old and you still haven't seen fruit. But, but come here, Abram. Uh, come here, come here, come here, come here. Let me tell you who you are. You're not Abram. You are Abraham for a father. Father of many nations, I have made you. Come here, Simon. I know your whole life people have told you you're shaken and you're easily moved by things, but come here, Simon. Come here, come here, come here, come here. You know who you are? You're not Simon. You are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build this church. See, if you can change someone's label, change the words that are over them, you can change their life. And what if we came to our children and said, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. You are too smart to be acting that way. Uh, you, you, I'm, listen to me, listen to me. You are so, so disciplined. And you have so much honor, there's no way you could act that way in that class. I'm so pleased with you. I'm going to have to take away your Xbox for a week, but I'm so pleased with you. Life and death, life and death, life and death are in the power of your words. He said, you're eating the fruit of it. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I'll let you go after asking you this question. You like what you're eating? On the job, you like what you're eating? In marriage, you like what you're eating? In friendships or lack thereof? No one likes me. No one pays attention to me. You like what you're eating on that job? You like what you're eating in in, in relationships? What about in your health? You like what you're eating? What about in your habits? You like what you're eating there? You will eat. Scripture says you will eat the fruit of your mouth. Oh, come on, somebody. 
It's not what goes in you that defiles a man. It's what comes out of a man that defiles a man. And I want to encourage you all over the world. I want to encourage you. Let's speak life over our families. Let's speak life over our nations. Let's speak life. How about we speak some life over our cities? How about we just speak blessing and not cursing over our schools, over our teachers, over our our cities? How about we just speak some life over it collectively? Come together and speak life over our families. Speak life over our opportunities. Speak life over our jobs. Speak life over our health. Speak life over ourselves. Jesus was constantly talking about, I am. I am blank. I am blank. You never hear Jesus say, I am just, you know, I tell you what, so frustrated with myself. I am, I'm just, I can't understand why I am so undisciplined. He'd come in and he would state, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Amen. Constantly stating who he was. You know what Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1 tells you? Be imitators. Oh, come on, somebody. Be imitators. Be imitators of the Lord Jesus. Somebody says, well, what would Jesus do? WWJD. I'll tell you what. Jesus would never talk about himself the way some of you have been talking about yourselves. You need to speak life over you. Speak life over your habits. Speak blessing over yourself. You are loved by God and well able to possess the land. Amen, amen, amen. I got to let you go. You come back next week. I'll come back next week. We'll pick up from there. Uh, But let me pray for you today. Um, Father, and after the prayer, I'll just turn it over to the campus pastors. Father, we come before you, and I thank you in Jesus' name that we will speak life. That life and death are in the power of our words. And we thank you, Father, we will eat the fruit of our lips. Father, give us the the courage and the conviction to stand before you and walk with you in the beauty of holiness. Let us be mindful of our mouths. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Helen Conley, we love you. I'll turn you over to Pastor Ryan, online campus. We love you. I'll turn you over to Pastor John here at Lakeland. Uh, let's just have a moment where we come before the Lord uh, and just uh, make a decision for him. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have some music at the, end, at the, the beginning of the 1130. Uh, I think we're done here today uh, after we do this, this next thing. Uh, but if you're here today and you say, no, you know what, Pastor, I want a fresh start. I, I want a new journey with the Lord. I want to encourage you. God's not holding your past against you. I don't care who you are, what you've done. Where your sin has abounded, God's grace has abounded much more. And if you want a fresh start today, the Lord Jesus wants to give you one. So real quick, every head bowed, every eye closed. Today, if you want to surrender to Jesus, you just want to come to him and just give your life over to Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm not going to ask you to do anything else not going to make anyone look at you. You're not going to be judged. We love you here. You're not only accepted by Jesus, but no matter who you are, you're accepted by us. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Joel, I want to surrender to the Lord Jesus. Maybe for the first time or the 1,000th time. It doesn't matter. 
but the Lord will meet you if you humble yourself. And if that's you, would you do something? Would you just lift your hand up all over this place? I just want a fresh start. I want to come into a relationship with Jesus. Hands going up all over the room. Amazing, amazing. Anybody else? I'll wait for you. I'm not in a hurry. Anybody else? (laughs) I see even more hands. God bless you. Amazing. Now, everybody here, just pray this prayer with me. You can repeat it after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I am not my past, my mistakes, my faults, or my failures. I've been forgiven. I've been bought with a price. Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. My past, it's over. It's washed away. Everything up to this moment is covered by the blood of Jesus. And Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Jesus is my Lord. You are my Father. And the Holy Spirit is my guide. Give me the grace I need to live for you in my future. And I boldly say, my best days are starting right now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we give it up to everyone? Come on, church!